Welcome to the City Edge Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website at cityedgechurch.org.au. We hope that you enjoy this message. I am so honored to be speaking tonight. Um, like Harry mentioned uh, earlier in the service, our amazing senior pastors, pastors Paul and Kate, um, are actually away at the moment. Um, they're having some vacation time, some family time um, away. And um, I just really want to take the first uh, portion of my message to just really honor our senior pastors because we've got amazing senior pastors and uh, man, they, they fight for you. They're praying for us daily and for you daily. And um, uh, honestly, I, I just, I see some of the life of Pastor Paul and Kate um, behind the scenes and man, they are the most genuine, most humble leaders and we are so blessed and privileged. So can we just honor them tonight? Um, and uh, we are so... So fortunate to send them away, have some time away with the family, which is so good. And uh, they send their regards tonight and uh, believing for a great service. But um, the final message of our Philippian series tonight is kind of like our conclusion of what has been such an amazing month diving into this book known as Philippians. And uh, so the pressure is on for me tonight. Um, no, just kidding. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for what God's going to speak to us through the book of Philippians chapter four. We're looking at chapter four tonight. And um, I'm currently finishing university for the year. Um, don't worry, not my whole degree, but just for the year. And uh, there's been a quite, a quite a bit of stress and pressure in finishing. And all the young adults in uni said, amen. Um, just this year, I've got exams, got um, forum posts, weekly forum posts, good fun. If you know what they are, you just like died inside a little bit, maybe. But um, um, I find when you come to the end of something, there's usually either great stress and anxiety that can come or when done right and maybe you're a little bit more prepared, there can actually be peace and there can be a calm to it uh, in, in something ending. It's even like running a race. I don't, I don't know about you, but something that has come up in my mind when I'm on that 100 meters, kind of like that final 100 meters of a cross country at school or like a marathon that you've just done. I'm not a marathon runner or anything like that, but just when I've raced in a kind of in a school setting, that last 100 meters of the race, I know there's been times where you see the annual just like, can this finish already? Everything inside of me hurts right now. I just want to be done and um, it needs to be over. There's so much stress and anxiety. Maybe you're racing someone and seeing them and you just want to finish the, uh, you just want to cross that finish line. But then on other occasions, I know in my life, um, when I've been a little bit more prepared in the race, maybe I actually kind of like work towards it and we're like, you know, I'm going to do a few weeks of preparation. I'm going to have my, my mind in the right headspace. So I'm actually going to win this race and I'm going to do the best that I can do. When I'm a little bit more prepared, I find that when I get to that last 100 meters, I'm like, yes, Nick, you can do it. I believe in you. And I'm like, thanks, Nick. And it was like, I don't know about you. I have conversations in my mind all of the time. And uh, thank you. I have some witnesses. Um, but when it's done right, there can actually be a peace in seeing the vision in front of you. There can actually be a calm when prepared and have the right mindset. And um, both of the same physical circumstance of finishing, but different emotions can be had. And in the final chapter of Philippians, this is the Apostle Paul's final note and case to the church of Philippi before he might finish his race of life, which is a pretty big deal. He, uh, as we've been learning, he is faced with the possibility of death. He, he's written this to the Philippian church, not knowing what's on the other side of this letter. It could have ended up with him being killed for his faith. 
So these could be his last words that he puts to paper. And like anyone facing their last words on earth or to a certain group of people, I think you would want to make them count, right? If you had your final words to say. So what I believe in Philippians 4 we see is something great that we can hold on to that the Apostle Paul encourages us in. He reminds the church and what he reminds us here tonight could very well change the way you walk in your Christian life, I believe. It's my prayer tonight that you would have a renewed spirit and mind to face your day in Christ Jesus. And for those seeking out the truth of who Jesus is, that you would come to know the almighty God that wants to fill you with unimaginable peace in your day-to-day life in a restless world. So with this in mind, before we get into the message, why don't we pray together? God, I thank you that you're a good God, that Lord, you wanna reveal your heart and your nature to us tonight, that God, you wanna fill us with a peace in such a restless world. God, you have answers for us tonight. And God, we wanna hear and have our hearts open to what you have for us tonight in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Well, um, I moved out of home about three years ago now, roughly. And uh, before that time, I was living at home with just mum. And uh, mum's here. Hey, mum. Um, haven't said hi yet, so thought I would. And... Um, before that, I was living at home with mum and, um, and there was a common saying that went around our household. I have a sister as well, uh, just the one sibling. And, and it was that you are the dishwasher. I am the dishwasher and not just me, but whoever was on, if we'd had a meal that night, someone had to be the dishwasher because unfortunately we didn't have a dishwasher in our home. So any meal time that we had, whether we ate together, whether I was just eating by myself and I brought my extravagant plates of like 50 out from my room and I was like, oh man, someone's got to clean these up, then I would have to do it. But I was the dishwasher and it was a non-negotiable that someone had to do the dishes, right? Unless you live in a house of guys where dishwashing is more of a suggestion. Um, (laughs) But in my home, I was the dishwasher. And uh, fast forward to three years later, as I moved into my new home, um, I live in Kings Beach in just an apartment uh, with some boys. So there you go. You can already see kind of like the, what our living room looks like. No, just kidding. Dishes everywhere. Just kidding. Um, but I won't name any names. No, just kidding. Um, but in this apartment that I live in, I've had this mentality for so long that I am the dishwasher that for so long I have been washing my own dishes, as you would think a person who believes that they are the dishwasher washes their dishes. Um, Until I noticed this odd square-shaped object under my sink the other day. It had buttons and even lights that were flashing on it. And sometimes I feel like when I was roaming around the house sometimes, I almost am certain that it made noises at different points of me living at this house where I noticed that this glorious invention that I have so wonderfully and curiously stumbled upon was in fact a device called a dishwasher. And you wouldn't believe, and I don't know if you've heard about it to be honest, but this thing washes the dishes so that you don't have to do them. This contraption, the holiest of all technologies to this day, known as a dishwasher, you, you, put it, you put your plates in this dishwasher 
and you don't have to lift a finger. It washes it all for you. You're all sorted. Praise God. And yet I've lived in my apartment for about a year now and I've only realized this week that I have really never, never used this dishwasher that would have made my life so much easier because I was stuck in a former mentality that I was the dishwasher. And tonight, I believe in the same sense, when we came to know Christ, we too had old ways and former mentalities that we used to live in. But when we've accepted Jesus into our life, there is actually a greater mentality that we can actually behold. There is actually something that we can leave behind, an old mentality, and step into a new calling and a new vision of what God has for our lives. It's a more easier life. It's a more fulfilled life. And it gives your heart and mind rest and ease. And I believe that we as believers, and this is the key to it, have access to the mind of Christ. We have access to the mind of Christ. And um, the mind of Christ is activated by decision. Now, the mind of Christ, when, when you accept God into your life and Jesus into your life, is gifted to us as we receive Christ into our lives. So if you will believe it here, I want to let you know, you have access to the way that Jesus thinks every single day of your life. But I believe the mind of Christ is something that must be activated by our choices and our decisions. It's kind of like if you were to buy a TV and you put it in a room, but never go into that room, switch it on and start to watch the TV. You have access to it, but it's not until you sit down, turn it on and actually let it speak to you that you can actually let it affect your life. And on the same sense, Jesus paid the price so you didn't have to live in your former life anymore, but you could step into this new amazing life where you have the mind of Christ and you get to see your business that way. You get to see your relationships through the mind of Christ. You get to see every avenue and aspect of life through the mind of Christ. And can I tell you, for a believer, this is pivotal in making a difference in our world. It really is the mind of Christ. And I believe that this is really what Paul, and we can take something out of this from what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. Oh, sorry, Ephesians. Wow, wrong book. Philippians 4. Uh, in Ephesians 4, I do want to bring it to that though. We're going to go to Philippians, don't you worry. It says this though in Ephesians 4.22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is talking that we need to drop off the old self and inhabit and take on this new life and this new mind of Christ. And Philippians 4, I believe, talks about it. So if you've got your Bibles here, I'd love for you to open up or flip open and unlock your phone, your iPad, your Samsung. Heard they got an upgrade. Hopefully they have the Bible on there now. Um, but... Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Reminds me of a song. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, man, I love this verse. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is why I think, I believe it's important to have the mind of Christ. And I believe one avenue of the mind of Christ is that the mind of Christ is thankful. The mind of Christ is thankful. We notice in the first part of this verse, Paul says, out of the abundance of his heart, he says, Philippian church, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your gentleness, it basically means, be known to everyone. Because joy is thankfulness in action. The mind of Christ is constantly and always thankful. It sees the thankfulness in every situation. And because we have a thankful mind, the expression of being so thankful for what God's done in our lives, the expression of what, what, what the situation and the circumstance that the people in our lives and how we are so blessed, the response for that is utter joy for Jesus. Because the character and nature of Jesus is joy. You might think that here that God or Jesus is an angry God. He's just out to get people. But I want to let you know that the nature of Jesus is joy. So as His saints and His disciples, when we put on the mind of Christ, we begin to have joy too. We begin to be thankful in every circumstance. We begin to be thankful in every area of our lives. But who knows, it's a decision to get up each morning and rejoice in the Lord. The Apostle Paul even goes further and says, I want you to rejoice not only sometimes, I want you to rejoice always. But guess what? As I noted before, it's a putting on of this new self. It's a putting on of the mind of Christ. We have a decision and a choice, believers here, to put on the mind of Christ and go, you know what, today God, it looks rough in my business at the moment, but I choose joy. I choose thankfulness. I choose it because I want to put on the mind of Christ. Paul encourages us that we should let rejoicing be a common and consistent practice in our lives. Who knows it only takes one bad situation for the joys of this world to be stripped away from us. But the difference with God is that the joy that comes from God trumps any counterfeit joy that the world could ever offer us. And I want to use this message to to spark something in hearts. And, and Jesus, I believe, gave us, gave us the greatest example of what this joy looks like. In Hebrews, it says, the writer of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, this is one of my favourite verses, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who the joy set before Him endured the cross. It was the joy of the Lord that endured the cross, despising the shame, who is now seated at the right hand of the Father. If you want to know how to have the mind of Christ, it's in the act of participating in joy that we receive more joy. Rejoice and be thankful that you get to live another day, church. Rejoice and be thankful that God is good. Pastor Lou brought it out this morning and, and such an amazing message. I encourage you to listen to the podcast out this morning that thankfulness truly is the greatest key to content. Thankfulness is the key to content in our lives. The mind of Christ always has something to be thankful for, but is only ever activated in our lives when we begin to actively choose and decide to be joyous in Christ Jesus. Hey, if you're in a tough season right now, I want you to ask yourself the question, what joy is in the midst of this pain? 
What joy is in the midst of this pain? What can I be thankful for in spite of this circumstance? Because joy, is it might look countercultural from the world. It might look like my situation looks absolutely, there's no hope in it. But the mind of Christ is joy, even in the face of persecution. It was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. Secondly, I believe that the mind of Christ trusts God before it trusts you. The mind of Christ trusts God before it ever trusts you. If we look in verses five, it says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We live inside our skin so much and inside our minds so much that sometimes we think it's all about us. And when really that actually creates more anxiety than it does create freedom and peace. Because if it's all about us at the end of the day and about my life and trusting ourselves, then we have a big price to pay if I don't get it right. If you put your trust in yourself then at the end of the day, if it's all on your shoulders, if your decisions mess up, it's all on you. It's all on your life. If we put this stress, and that creates stress and anxiety when we think that we have to uh, do this and strive and, and work for all that we have in our lives. But I'm here to tell some people tonight that having to work and to strive and to get it right every time was never your job. It was never your job. So don't put that expectation on your life, that burden that you need to get it right every single time. I don't remember reading the Bible and seeing that your name was called perfect. That's your heavenly Father's name. He's the one who's supposed to get it right. And He's the one who gets it right every time. The Psalms never said, trust in the name of Nick. It says, trust in the name of the Lord. And what we're supposed to do, the mind of Christ looks to God before it looks to self. Because we will never sustain, we will never endure, but there is one who will endure. And that's God Himself. And this is why it says, do not be anxious about anything. Or if there was another way I was supposed to bring this point, is that the mind of God is never anxious. And did you know that you can live in a place and you can get rid of that old life of anxiety and you can behold the mind of Christ that is never anxious. But I believe that anxiety stems from who you put your trust in. Because peace is determined by your foundation. When you have a greater foundation, if you're that foundation, you'll fail. But if Christ is your foundation, if Jesus is your foundation, if God is your rock, then He will never fail, the Bible says. And you can trust Him. And because you can trust Him, that gives all of the anxieties to Him and not to you. So guess what's the result of that? Peace. Peace in your life. But if life is hard, and I love that the Apostle Paul gives us this, but if life is hard, it's tough and you're needing help, He says, and by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and go, God, I'm gonna trust you. God, I'm gonna give this to you. I'm gonna genuinely actually believe that my prayers are reaching you right now through Jesus Christ to the Father and believe that you're actually doing something in my life and in my situation. What's the result of that? Peace. So I'm also here to tell some people tonight, Don't stress over the things that you can't change. If God can change them, 
pray to him, and if it's his will, he will. And then what does Paul go on to say? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, the mind of Christ that we can obtain because of what Jesus did on the cross means that you don't have to be anxious again. You don't have to live in stress anymore. You can behold the mind of Christ. There's been countless times in my life where I let the stress of life and pressure of this world dominate my thinking and give me anxiety. But it's when I gave it to God that I, I, I kid you not, it was that release of stress. And um, Jesus gives us another example of this. And we can take a, a leaf out of Jesus' book when, to be honest, he trusted God more than he even trusted himself. He was sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you remember the story. Now, that's anxiety at another level. Um, that's crazy to be doing that. That he even cried out to God and said, God, if you can take this cup away from me, please do it. Like, I'm stressing right now. I, like, I, he wanted to do the will of the Father, but still he was feeling the stress and, and anxiety. But through faith, Jesus put, even Jesus himself put his trust in God the Father and not himself in that moment. And he said these amazing words. He says, but not my will be done, but yours. Not my will be done, but yours. The mind of Christ is not anxious. The mind of Christ Trust God more than it trusts ourselves and yourself. And finally, point three, the mind of Christ gives to a greater cause. Gives to a greater cause. When you have the mind of Christ, you begin to think how Jesus does and interact with what the Spirit wants over what you want. The mind of Christ gives to a greater cause. The Apostle Paul replies to the generosity of the Philippian church. So, we, we know that Paul is under house arrest in Rome and the Philippian church had this renewed sense and this Christ-like mind that they were like, we need to be generous and we need to give to Paul as he's in house arrest. And it says this, and you can look in your Bibles from verse 14. And Paul says this to the church of Philippi, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me a gift for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. For the Philippian church, they saw the need that Paul was in. And I, I love this verse that Paul kind of highlights. They easily could have kept to themselves their riches and their finances like the other churches did. Paul said, you are the only one that actually gave me a gift and thought like Christ to give, even though you might not have even had it. You thought to give. And we too have a decision tonight, church. Do I withhold my good and the resources that God has blessed me with from others? Or do I make a difference with my life and give up my life for a greater cause? Do I withhold all the blessings that God's given me? Do I withhold and, and just live for my individual ordinary life? Or do I partner with heaven and have the mind of Christ to give abundantly? to give out of a heart of generosity. Jesus shows us this. We've kind of seen throughout the story of Jesus that 
It was for the joy that was set before him that he went to the cross. He already knew that he was going to do that. Secondly, he said, okay, God, if it's, if it's your will, not mine, I trust you more than I trust myself. But thirdly, in Romans 5.8, it says, while we were still sinners, Christ then died for us. Christ died for us. Christ gave it up. Christ was generous with not money, but his life. And that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of what happens when we renew our minds to the way Jesus sees things. That we don't live for ourselves anymore, but we start to live for others. And we start to give and live our life for a greater cause. He was so generous with his life that he gave up his life for us. And how grateful we can now be that the joy that was set before him was us. Was our salvation. Was to come to know him. And God, I am so grateful and thankful that he did that for me. There's a guy by the name of Desmond Doss. I don't know if you've heard of him. You might have seen a movie that came out a few years ago called Hacksaw Ridge. And this man named Desmond Doss was a United States Army Corporal who served as a combat, combat medic with an infantry company in World War II. And basically, they were fighting the Japanese at this time. And, and what happened is they had this great fight and it lasted for so long. And as, as a combat medic, when everyone else said, we want to save our lives and we want to stop the fight and we're going to go back and recharge for the next day. There were people still on that battleground that had got shot. And Desmond Doss was the only person with the audacity and also the great call with inside his life to say, you know what? If no one else is going to do it, I am. And in that moment, you'll notice, and it's an amazing story if you've seen the movie or read the book, but he goes out to the battlefield where 75 men plus are injured and waiting to die. And he goes out one by one to the battlefield and he grabs them and in his exhaustion, grabs them by a rope and brings them back to safety. The thing is in that sacrifice, in that giving, in that generosity that he had for his life, he could have been killed himself. He was dying from utter exhaustion every single time. But he says this, this absolutely um, nerve wracking kind of like spine tingling call that gets me every time. As he went out into that battlefield, as he gave and had a mind that was of a greater cause, he said, just one more. I need to go out to this battlefield and I need to get just get just one more person and bring them to safety. Just more, one more, because this isn't about me. This is about someone else's life out there in our city. The people that are dying and broken and damaged, but God is calling a generation and a church to rise up in not the ways of the world, but with the mind of Christ to be the difference in their world, to change it from the inside out. And Desmond Doss had a, the mind of Christ. He had a greater cause that he looked to. And hey, maybe God isn't calling you to save 75 people and join the army tomorrow. But maybe God is asking of you tonight to be generous with your life and 
finance the kingdom of God. Maybe it's just even a small thing of maybe, God forbid, serving on one of our amazing teams. That would help the vision of seeing our city one for Jesus. Come on, there's, there's a great need, church. And when we partner and have the mind of Christ, our lives flow with generosity and giving for our King.